Let's turn in the Word to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Father, we thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit in everything we do in this meeting today and our fellowship time later. We thank you, Lord, for the glory of God that is being poured out in this nation. We believe it. We have it. We thank you, Lord, for the glory of the Lord upon us and for the glory of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this meeting today. And Father, help me to uh, speak accurately and correctly uh, and with revelation and anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to give this a title, you can call it Faithful and Blessed. Faithful and Blessed. Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. The New Living Translation says, a faithful man, uh, a trustworthy person, will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. The NIV says, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. The Common English Bible says, Reliable people will have abundant blessings, but those with get-rich-quick schemes won't go unpunished. Uh, another word that we could use instead of faithful would be reliable. Write down the word reliable. What kind of person will abound in blessings? Faithful. Faithful. The Amplified Classic says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich at any cost shall not go unpunished. Abound. The dictionary definition of abound means have in large numbers or amounts to overflow or be abundant. This is describing um, over, way over and above our needs being met, isn't it? This is not just having your needs being met. This is way beyond. John 10.10, 10, why does it say Jesus came? That we may have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, the Amplified says that we may have and enjoy life and have it in the full till it overflows. Amen. So God not, not only wants us and needs us to be rich, what we really want to aim for is to be blessed. Amen? We want to be blessed and we want to be a blessing. 
Blessed is being able to have and do things beyond ourselves. If we're blessed, we can do things beyond our own natural means, can't we? If we're blessed by God, and that's what we're talking about, being blessed by God, God adding things to us, God increasing us, not our own efforts, not us adding things to ourselves. We're talking about God adding things to us. Uh, now the NIV in this verse talks about one eager to get riches. And the New Living Tra Translation talks about quick riches. And this is uh, the kind of riches that lead to trouble or being punished in some form. Uh, an example today uh, of quick riches would be the lottery, wouldn't it? Winning the lottery. Millions of people play the lottery every week. Uh, and usually people who are eager to get rich accumulate quick riches. And you hear about these people who win the lottery and a few months later the family's busted up and you've got family members that won't even talk to each other and they got trouble, don't they? They got trouble on every front. Uh, what they thought was going to give them the good life has now become a curse. They wish they'd never even seen a lottery card, you know? Um, it's, it's a burden to them. Uh, why? Because it didn't come from God. <laughs> and it was quick riches. It didn't come from God. God didn't add it to them. How, what is God's way of operating? Uh, turn back a few pages to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10. This tells us the way that God operates and the way that, that God adds things to us. What happens when God adds things to us? Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. He addeth no sorrow with it. When the Lord makes us rich, when he blesses us, when he adds things to us, when he increases us, there's no sorrow with it. it, it there's nothing negative about it. The uh, contemporary English version says, when the Lord blesses you with riches, you have nothing to regret. The common English Bible says, the Lord's blessing makes a person rich and no trouble is added to it. Everybody say, no trouble. No trouble. No trouble. Amen. No trouble. So when God adds it to you, there's no trouble, uh, there's no burden, there's nothing negative about it. Uh, always beware of the big deal that's going to set you up for life. And you never have to pray. He you never me that nothing is too difficult for him. Amen. That's what the I word says. Nothing is too difficult for him. Amen. And the Lord, when the Lord adds it to you, and it isn't going to be trouble. Amen. Amen. It's going to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we, we want to be aware of the big deal that sets us up for life. Uh, 
like, you know, people that play the lottery, that's why they do that. They think I'll be set up for life. Uh, but we are to, you know, we, we can't do that. We can't r rely on other things where we never have to sow again. We never have to pray again. We never have to believe and depend on God again. That is not God's way. That is not of God. God is not going to bless something that replaces him in our life. He's not going to bless something that replaces him in our life. Now, this subject of riches, material wealth, and possessions, um, uh, you know, many Christians in many Christian circles preach against this. They preach against uh, biblical abundance and wealth because they don't believe it's possible for a believer to be uh, blessed and to be faithful to God at the same time. They just think those are incompatible. They think only the sinner can be rich. And the Bible is so obvious. It, it, uh, there's nothing in the Bible to indicate that at all. Uh, these anti-prosperity people, they preach uh, against biblical uh, prosperity and blessing and they preach against it from a negative standpoint. They preach that being rich will ruin you. Well the Bible doesn't teach that. What does the Bible teach? It, it doesn't say prosperity and riches ruins everybody. Uh, turn back a few pages there to Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. This describes the get-rich-quick who think they're secure for life. Proverbs 1.32. I'm going to read from Young's Literal Translation. It says, For the turning of the simple slayeth them, and the security of the foolish destroyeth them. The security of the foolish destroyeth them. If people want to be rich just to be set up for life, uh, that's, that's foolishness. That will ruin you. And that's not what the Bible teaches. This, is, this verse is actually a warning, you know. But this is just one scripture. But, but people that are against Bible prosperity, they pick out all the negative scriptures and they ignore the hundreds of, um, of, of scriptures that expresses God's will for his people. The truth is, the Bible is full of rich, wealthy people who were faithful. Uh, that doesn't mean they were perfect. It doesn't mean they never made a mistake. But they were uh, true to God. They were true to God. They knew it was the will of God for them to be rich. And they knew why. They knew why it was the will of God for them to be rich. Jesus had many wealthy friends and partners who were faithful to the end. They were faithful to the end. So this is why we need major mind renewal in this area. Uh, our motivation for blessing in abundance is about being in his will, about pleasing God and doing his plan. That's why God not only desires it, he needs us. He needs us to be blessed. Uh, our part is not to strive and toil to get the blessings. 
to come to us. And that's where many people get off. They start, they start hearing about that God wants them to abound and God wants to bless them. And Matthew 6, 33, uh, God adding things to them, but they leave off the first part where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. They just go for the adding things to them, you know. Um, but Proverbs 10, 22, where we were just a minute ago, in the NIV says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Without painful toil for it. We don't have to strive and toil to try to get the blessings to come to us. What's our part? Who, who does it say is blessed? The faithful. Our part is to be faithful. And God's part is the blessing part. And in so many ways, we... We always want to do God's part, and we want God to do our part. But we're supposed to do our part, and God will automatically do his part. So we need to major on the faithful part. Write this down. In order to qualify for more, we must be faithful with what we have been given already. In order to qualify for more, we must be faithful with what we have been given already. So we don't have to beg God to bless us. We don't have to beg him to add things to us to get to another level of increase. Increase was his idea to begin with. And this is what the anti-prosperity people don't get. They don't get it was God's idea in the first place. It was God's. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you rich. God didn't ask him to make him rich. God didn't beg Abraham to make him rich. It was God's idea to begin with. So it's not about striving and toiling to get to the next level of increase. It's about qualifying. Do we qualify to get to the next level of, of increase. Now the word qualify means to be entitled to a particular benefit or privilege by fulfilling a necessary condition. To be entitled to a particular benefit or privilege by fulfilling a necessary condition. God can move people around and money around and things around. He can give favor. So uh, this is not about trying to earn brownie points with God. What God, uh, you know, in order to qualify, we don't have to, uh, you know, try to qualify on our works and striving and, and, like I said, trying to get brownie points with God. What is God looking for? Somebody who is faithful, faithful. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. Now let's turn to Luke 16. Luke 16. In verse 10, this is Jesus talking. 
You think Jesus knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now you would think it would be logical that if you're faithful in a big thing, you would be faithful in a little thing. But that's, that's not the way Jesus put it. He, he put the emphasis the other way around. He says if you're faithful in something that's little and what's considered to be unimportant and insignificant, you will be faithful with something bigger. It was my school motto. Oh, really? Barbara says that was her school motto. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. Well, that's a good motto. That's a good motto. Faithful in the dictionary means reliable, remaining loyal, and steadfast. It also means trustworthy. We saw that in one of our uh, translations here. The New Living Translation talked about the trustworthy person shall abound with blessings. Reliable, faithful, loyal, steadfast, trustworthy. This describes the very nature and character of God himself. God is utterly faithful, utterly steadfast, utterly dependable, and trustworthy. How about us? <laughs> That's what we're majoring on today. How about us? If God says something in his word, can you rely on it? Absolutely. Amen. Because he's faithful. Uh, That's why I'm still here and not under the ground. Amen. Amen. Anne said that's why she's still here and not under the ground or in heaven. Amen. It's the word of your confession. Yes, yes. The, the word of God you put in your heart. Amen. And, and you hadn't let go of it. Hallelujah. And God is faithful to his word. Amen. That's why it's right. That's why we're all... Well, some people are just here by the mercy of God. But, but uh, Anne's, Anne's still here because of... Uh, she's been faithful to the word and God's been faithful to keep his word. Amen. The disciples literal... New Testament says, the one trustworthy in a very little thing is also trustworthy in much. And the one unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. Verse 11, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now the word mammon refers to material wealth, the riches and possessions of this natural world. That's what mammon means. It's, we see that in the King James Version. In the Greek, it means the treasure a person trusts in. Mammon is the treasure a person trusts in. <coughs> Notice it doesn't just say having it. It talks about trusting in it. It's related to the Hebrew word amon, which means to trust. That's the word mammon. Jesus is saying 
all the wealth and possessions obtainable in this life are not true riches. Uh, and that's just another way of saying that all these material things and possessions and things in the natural are not going to last. They're temporary, they're transient, they're not going to go beyond this age and physical time. You know, you hear people say you can't take it with you kind of thing, you know. Uh, uh, you know, the joke about the funeral procession going down the street and some, you know, some wealthy man and somebody said, well, I wonder how much he left behind and somebody said all of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He left all of it behind. Uh, so uh, these natural material things, they are temporary. They are transient. But everybody say, but. That's but Jesus says the way we handle these natural, temporary, transient, material things either qualify us or disqualify us for the true riches. The natural things are like a means test for greater things, for things to be added to us, greater blessing, greater assignment, greater responsibilities. Now again, this scripture in Luke 16 is one of the favorite scriptures of the anti-prosperity Christians, and they use this to say, see there, God's not interested in these natural material possessions, uh, and you shouldn't be either because they're transient, they're temporary, and they're not true riches. Well, that last part is, is correct. It's, it's a fact that these natural material Earthly possessions, money and wealth are not true riches. That's true. But according to Jesus, the head of the church, what you do with these material temporary things that are not true riches determines if you're qualified to handle true riches. That's what Jesus is saying. The voice translation says, if you can't even handle a small thing like money, who's going to entrust you with spiritual riches that really matter? For Christians that don't practice tithing, according to this scripture, can they expect God to add more to them? Nope. Why? They disqualify themselves, don't they? It's not a matter of, of God not wanting to bless them. Their conditions, either we qualify or we disqualify ourselves. And would to God people could see this, you know, if they just understood this. Uh, they disqualify themselves because they have not been faithful with what belongs to God. So why should God add more to them? Uh, let's don't limit this to money and possessions. Let's take people who would like to be promoted in ministry or on the job. Uh, the pastor of a church or leader of a ministry, 
They ask someone to work on the book table or greet someone at the door. Or if your employer hands you a broom or a mop and asks you to sweep the floor out back or out in the car park where nobody can see you, nobody sees what you're doing, and they say, well, that's not really my gift and calling. That's not really my qualifications. Uh, you know, God told me I'm going to have a worldwide ministry and uh, thousands of people are going to be saved and healed through my ministry. What are they saying? They're saying those jobs are beneath me. They're saying that what you asked me to do is not important, it's not significant, it's beneath me. I want to do something important. You put me behind the pulpit and my real gifts and abilities will come out. That's what they're saying. According to Jesus, the head of the church, that is not true. And many people are deceived in this area. Verse 10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least. The word least means something that is regarded as trivial or insignificant and unimportant. He that is faithful in something that is trivial, unimportant, and insignificant will be faithful in something greater, something that is important. The thing, the thing itself what, what they've asked you to do, it may not be important. It may be trivial. But how you handle it and your attitude toward it is of the utmost importance because that is what God is looking at. God is looking at your heart and your attitude about it. Why? Because it determines if you get added more to you, or how quickly things will get added to you. That's why it's important. The thing itself may not be important, but your attitude toward it will qualify you or disqualify you if you get, if God can add more to you, and how quickly He can add more to you. If you own a business and you ask an employee to take out the trash, um, or like I said, sweep the room out and they don't do it or they do it with a bad attitude and they gripe and complain about it and they go tell everybody at the water cooler that they asked me to sweep that room out and I've got, I went to Oxford or wherever, how dare them, you know, ask me to take the trash out. The employee is crazy if they turn around and hand the keys to that person and ask them to lock up. It isn't going to happen. You cannot trust somebody if they're, if they're not willing to take the trash out. You cannot trust them with the keys to that building and say, lock up, I'm going home early. I'm going to, you, you lock up the building. No way. No way. It's not going to happen. Uh, the message translation says, uh, this is verse um, 10. Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. 
If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? If, if you're the employ, employer and you own the business and you find out that you've got an employee that's stealing money out of the cash register, are you going to give them a pay rise? No way. <laughs> no way. The Passion Translation says, The one who faithfully manages the little he has been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Write this down. Whatever you do with a small amount or whatever you do with a small opportunity, you are revealing your heart. And that's what God's looking at and that's why these little things are important. That's why material, natural things are important because what we do with them determines if we qualify for greater riches, for God to be able to add more to us. God is always looking at the heart of the person. I don't believe I would be standing here today if I had not been if I hadn't started being faithful helping other ministries and little things. The church I was going to in America before I came here, uh, it was the first really spirit-filled church I went to and, and I realized there uh, I want to move on with God and I'm crossing the line and I'm leaving this denominational stuff. And the first thing I did, I went to the pastor's wife and I asked her to put me on the rota to clean the church. And that was when I went into the ministry. That's when I went into the ministry. Uh, there was a women's aglow chapter there in the same town that I belonged to. And I would go early. When I got off work, I'd go early before anybody else got there. Nobody knew I was there. Nobody saw what I was doing. And I put out all the chairs for the meeting. I got everything ready for the meeting. So when all the leaders and everybody came in, it was all set up. Churches and ministries, after I came here, I got there early, about 8.30 in the morning, waiting for a lot of times standing outside in the cold, waiting for somebody to open the place up, set up the service. After the service, take it all down and put it away. Brother Gordon and Barbara White, they were here in England 10 years. And in 10 years, I missed one of their meetings in 10 years. I was hungry for the word of faith. And there was no other source of it here really in England besides Brother Copeland's teaching tapes. And when I found out Brother Gordon and Barbara were teaching faith, I immediately got on their um, mailing list. And if they had a meeting in London or here in Guilford or somewhere else, I was there. 
then after a few years, everybody say years. years. <laughs> after a few years of going to their meetings, one day they contacted me and they asked me to come to their home one evening. And I thought, wow, you know, these people, they preach in Africa and Europe and all these, you know, nations of the world. And they personally invited me to their house. You know, it was such an honor for me. Um, and they asked me if I would help them in their ministry. Why? Why me? Because they saw I was faithful. I came to their meetings. I got on that train. I stood out in the cold platform, whatever. I was there. I only missed one meeting in 10 years. And I know that is the only qualification. <laughs> that is the only qualification uh, that they were looking for. That's what they were looking for. They didn't ask to see a CV or any Bible school or anything like that. They were looking for faithful people. That's what God's looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. Hallelujah. And they asked me, what would you like to do? And I thought, well, I'm not really qualified to do anything. Uh, so I thought, well, I can greet people at the door. So I offered to greet people at the door. That's a lot more important than you think it is. Trump's done a lot of it. Yeah. The first person you see is or talk to is quite important, you know, uh, when they get there. And then after a while, I'd look around, I'd see something that needed to be done, and I'd just pitch in and do it. I didn't wait for somebody to ask me. Then they told me they were going to start a church here in Guilford. And I said, I will be there on Sunday, and I will help you. And I, I did. Uh, and I began to just pitch in and, and help set up and various things. Uh, I was there every Sunday as long as they were here. Then, guess what? While I was there, they began to give me an opportunity to speak once in a while. They began to give me an opportunity to speak. Then, later on, everybody say later on. <laughs> they said they wanted to ordain me. Well, that really threw me back. I mean, I really kind of didn't even know what ordained meant, you know. I wasn't, I, I, you know, they didn't say what Bible school have you been to, where's your CV, what university did you, did you go to? No, that had nothing to do with it. You took on the worship team. Yeah, I even did some of the worship team. Yeah, I had a little, a little background in music and and the first Sunday we were there, there was like no music at all. And, uh, well, one guy on the guitar. So I pulled out the keyboard and I just kind of jumped in and I wound up doing that for a while, you know, for, for years. I, I was definitely not qualified. Uh, and, and I felt uh, really quite uh, nervous about it because the very first church I went to in, in London uh, the pastor's wife there, she was a very anointed pianist and musician. And later on, she even act, act, turned some of the worship over to me there. And I wanted to run out of the building because she, she had gone to, what is that, the Royal School of Music in London or something like that. I mean, she was really 
uh, not just accomplished, but she was very anointed. And I thought, man, that was like coming in behind Moses or something, you know? I mean, it just scared the daylights out of me. But it was a test, wasn't it? It was a test to see if I would be faithful. So anyway, um, can you see where all this started? Me cleaning the church, putting out chairs, and I didn't complain because there wasn't anybody to help me. And, uh, you know, or because we didn't have the right equipment or something. Uh, according to the world standards, and even according to some in the church, these assignments would not be regarded as important or significant. You know, setting up chairs, cleaning the church, greeting someone at the door, these are not what we would consider to be high-profile positions, would it? Just outwardly. But I tell you what, you find out how important something is if you wanted to go to the bathroom at church and it hadn't been cleaned in weeks and weeks with, or, you know, on the job. Uh, it's important that the bathrooms be clean. Amen? It's important. And, and um, you know, it's not that the pastor or the leader is too good to clean or do some manual job. That's not the point. But the question is, why are they having to do it if there's more than two people in that ministry or church? Why is the pastor having to do everything if uh, all the manual work, if there's more than two people there? He, they shouldn't be having to do it. There are times when they need to get involved and do something physical, but they shouldn't have to do it. God is looking for somebody that takes a low-profile assignment seriously. They will, when you ask them to take out the trash, boy, it will be done, I mean, the best, just like they were told to do it. Amen? Write this scripture down, Psalm 8410. Psalm 8410. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So no matter how insignificant or unimportant an assignment or opportunity might look, we should be grateful for the opportunity. Amen? Amen. To have anything to do with the work of God, we should be grateful for the opportunity that God would count us worthy. Why? Because it's the Lord's bathroom and it's the Lord's door that we're standing at and it's the Lord's people that we're greeting and it's the Lord's sound system that we're operating. Amen? The least assignment in the kingdom of God that's uh, fulfilling the plan and the will of God the least assignment. This thing takes on eternal value. Not only will God add to us in this life, he can add to us in the next life because we've been faithful down here in, little, in material, natural things that outwardly did not look uh, important or significant. God knows whatever you would do with five or ten pounds is exactly what you would do with five thousand or ten thousand. 
Let's look at verse 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that, which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Uh, I didn't mention, Brother Gordon used to call me the chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> which meant I just kind of do whatever, you know. <laughs> Anything that needs to be done, just ask Barb, you know. And I fully believe that is one reason why I'm standing here today, really. Uh, and a lot of people, if they had this revelation, I, they would, they'd get farther along. You know what I mean? They wouldn't jump up and leave and run off and strive and try to get brownie points and try to get in with the right crowd and all this stuff. You only need one person to see what you're doing. Amen? Uh, the, the New Matthew Bible says... If, and if you have not been faithful in another man's business, who will give you your own? We live in an instant microwave drive-through world. And uh, everybody wants to start out owning their own business and everybody wants to start out having their own ministry. And you may be called to have your own business and you may be called to have your own ministry. But that doesn't mean you can do it right now, does it? I mean, 20 years ago, that didn't mean I could do what I'm doing. I couldn't have done this 20 years ago. I couldn't have done, done it just because it's the plan of God, even if you have a prophetic word or something, which I've had a number of prophetic words and probably other people in here have. It doesn't mean that, that you're, you're going to do it right now. Sometimes it's... And many times, it's years before some things, you're ready to do it. There's, there's just a time of, of uh, God's, God's plan is that you, you be trained and you be developed uh, and learn and be faithful under other people. This is the way God operates. If, if, if you have not been faithful in that, uh, in another man's business, who will give you your own? Nobody. <laughs> we see this in the Bible. Uh, people who were called of God, but they didn't just jump out the next day, uh, you know, and go into ministry. What about Moses and Joshua? What about Elijah, Elisha? They, Joshua was trained under Moses. Elisha was trained under Elijah. Timothy was trained under Paul. The disciples were trained under Jesus. You see this pattern throughout the Bible. Um, and it doesn't mention anything about wanting to see their CV or where they went to Bible school or what their qualifications were. Uh, it taught the New Testament and the Old Testament talks a lot about were they faithful? And we're going to look at that in a minute. Faithful is not just doing the best that you can. It's doing things the way they've asked you to do it. Doing it the way they've asked you to do it. If there's a certain, certain procedure for taking out the trash, or if there's a certain procedure for greeting people at the door, or the book table or whatever, that's the procedure. If you're faithful, 
You'll, just, you'll follow the procedure. You don't just assume how they want it done. Uh, if they haven't told you, ask them. Ask them how they want it. How, how, how do you want me to do this? We can't just assume how they want it done. We can't just do our own thing. Uh, there are a lot of ways to get more things and to have influence in the world, but if God's going to add it to you, we have to demonstrate faithfulness. Now, the world may not require that, but that's what God requires. But even to some extent, I think even the world requires that. Because like I said, only, only an, an idiot would hand the keys over to somebody who's stealing money out of the cash register, you know? Um, God is going to start you out with something small to reveal your heart. But this shouldn't be sad. This should be exciting because if you've already decided you're going to be faithful, what does this mean? You are going to abound. God is going to be able to add more to you. This is not a doom. This is not a sad uh, teaching. This is a, a, a happy. If, if we've already made up our minds to be faithful, and I believe we have, it's only going to get better. Amen. It's only going to get better for us. We're, we're going to, God's going to be able to increase us. He's going to be able to add more and more to us because we're faithful with what we have right now. Now let's turn uh, over to Acts 6, and we'll just look at a couple, of, couple more scriptures. Acts 6, and this is in the very early days, the very early beginnings of the New Testament church. And if you read the... Acts 12. 6, Acts chapter 6. And if you kind of read the couple of chapters leading up to this, you see that um, the number of believers uh, was multiplying by the thousands. God had poured out his spirit on those in the uh, upper room. The people were of one heart and one mind. Uh, there was no lack. They were in such accord that people would sell properties and uh, homes and so forth, and they would bring an offering uh, to the apostles in the church so that they had so much uh, resources available that there was no lack, and they could distribute these resources uh, as people had need. So, so there was no lack uh, because all the people were of one heart and mind. Uh, verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. I'm reading from the New King James here. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So some widows were being missed out in the distribution of food, and there were some complaints about it. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, 
So what business are they talking about? The business of waiting on tables and serving food. That's the business they're talking about. They're not talking about running the church. They're talking about the business of serving food and waiting on tables. That was the business at hand. Verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man, what? A man who went to Oxford and was very learned and went to the top Bible school um, and, uh, you know, had all A's. Is that what they were looking for? Somebody who was highly qualified in the seminary? No. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see later on here in this chapter where God used Stephen mightily. But right now, what's he doing? He's waiting on tables and he's serving food. Low profile job, isn't it? Low profile assignment. Did he say, I'm over, I, you know, this is beneath me. Sorry, folks, find somebody else. No, no, he didn't. What if he had said that? We wouldn't be reading about him anymore in this Bible. We wouldn't hear anything else about him. He would have disqualified himself for the, the true riches. And it also mentions Philip. And Philip, God has a plan for Philip as well. And we're going to see God use him in a mighty way later on here in this chapter. But right now, what's he's doing? He's also waiting on tables and distributing food. So both of them are on the, the food truck team right now. They're on the food truck. Meals on wheels. That's what, that's what, they, that's what they're doing right now. Then they had some more men. Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. It sounds like Stephen was overqualified to be waiting on tables, doesn't it? Anybody that's, that God is using with signs and wonders and uh, getting people saved, sound, but he didn't start out that way. He started out waiting on tables uh, and being faithful. He had to have been faithful waiting on tables or God never could have entrusted him with signs and wonders and power. He started out waiting on tables and serving food. So he, he had to have been faithful. And there's no way that he could have had a lousy attitude about it. He, he didn't turn up late with the food at the people's house and the food was cold 
and he didn't complain to them. Well, if they would give us a better truck, we could do a better job at this. You know, he didn't say, this job is beneath me. My gifts uh, are not being used. He didn't ask for a transfer to another position. You know, he didn't, he didn't say this equipment is, is just not up to scratch and they won't give us anything better. He didn't gripe and complain and, and sow bitterness into these people when they turned up at their house with the food. He didn't say, and besides that, I'm a better preacher than all those guys in there, uh, but they never asked me to preach. I'm stuck out here on the food truck. No, he didn't complain. There's no way he could have complained. He had a good attitude about it. God saw his heart. God saw his heart. And he valued this opportunity. He didn't think it was beneath him. He valued it. If he would have complained that this job's beneath me and I'm, I ought to be in there preaching, not out here waiting tables, what's that? That's unfaithful. That's unthankful. One of the indicators that you value something is whether you are thankful or complaining. One of the indicators, if you value something, are you thankful for the opportunity or are you complaining about the opportunity? And this attitude is not uncommon in the body of Christ. People want to hear about the blessings and they want to hear about God adding to them uh, more and more, but we have to be faithful. We have to do our part and be faithful. And, and there's not a whole lot of, of preaching on this. Now later on, Stephen started out serving food and waiting on tables. But later on here, just a few verses, he's falsely accused of blasphemy. And accused him of things that he didn't say and, and do. Um, and he was brought before the council, the religious people. And they challenged him about this. And now his true gifts, the true riches, come out. The Spirit of God comes upon him. And he starts preaching. And he begins in Genesis with Abraham. And he goes right through the entire Old Testament right up to that very point. And he tells them, he preaches to them, Jesus is the anointed one, and then he has the audacity to say, and you killed him. And it made them so mad that they took him out and stoned him. Did, did, did he get promoted? I mean, I, yeah, he got a real promotion to heaven. But God used him in a mighty way. I mean, this is one of the greatest sermons in the whole Bible. It is a very, very long sermon. He must have preached to them, I don't know how long. And it was by the anointing. I mean, he had no notes, nothing. He started with Genesis and he went right through the entire Old Testament. But he started out Meals on Wheels. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. 
How about, uh, so we know he had to be faithful waiting on tables. How about Philip's ministry? One of the disciples, another one of the apostles. He got started the same way. He was on the same food truck team with Stephen. They both started out on the food truck. And here we are thousands of years later talking about these men. Their names would not be in the Bible. We would not be talking about them today if they had not been faithful with the little opportunities and the little assignments that they were given. They had to be faithful. They had to have a good attitude about it. We're still talking about them thousands of years later. Where did they begin? On the food truck. Did they value working on the food truck? Did they treat it like it was important? Yeah, this food truck is the Lord's food truck, and it's got to be clean. It can't be dirty and filthy. It's got to be organized. We're serving God's people. These are the Lord's people we're serving. Amen? The truck has to be clean, and the food has to be hot when we get it to these people. Amen? This was their attitude. It had to have been their attitude, or otherwise they would not have been faithful. So the bottom line here, if we are not faithful in these natural things that are not true riches, then uh, we cannot be promoted to handle true riches. And it's obvious these two men were faithful in handling natural things because God was enabled them, uh, enabled them to be used in a mighty way. Did Stephen and um, Philip get to handle true riches? Yes, they did. Revelation, the anointing and power of God, healings and miracles and preaching. Yes, because they were faithful in something insignificant like waiting on people and tables. God entrusted to them revelation, anointing, signs and wonders and healings because they were faithful in natural things. Verse eight, uh, Acts 8 verse 5, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. God has now entrusted to him true riches, healings, miracles, salvation. What was he doing two chapters ago? Working on the food truck and serving tables. Do you believe he was faithful working on the food truck? Amen. When nobody saw him get up at 5.30 in the morning, in the cold, in the dark, his name wasn't on the truck he was driving, the people he was serving, he went to their door, they did not even know his name. 
Was it important that they knew his name? No, not really. He was happy to do it because it was the Lord's food truck. It was the Lord's people. It was the Lord's food. And this is what qualified him to handle the true riches of preaching and healing and signs and wonders that God was able to promote him to here in Acts chapter 8. Later on in this chapter, he has an encounter with a man who works for the queen of Ethiopia, a high-level government official, and he gets him filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, talking about moving up in the world. Um, then he's translated to another location. Supernatural. Where did he get started? On the food truck. On time to work, not late, not complaining. Nobody even knows his name, but they get their food hot and they get it on time. Amen? Now the people may not have known his name and nobody was watching him when he got up at 5.30 in the morning, but there was one person that was watching. Amen? And that's the only person that counts. <laughs> God was watching. God was watching what Philip was doing. God was watching what Stephen was doing. He was watching their heart. What they did, serving tables. What was their heart attitude working on the food truck? This is all that matters, that the Lord is watching. That's what he's looking for, that somebody that he can give more and more and more too because Philip will do what the Lord says when he says do it and how he says do it God knows he's faithful he's reliable he can be trusted with something little and insignificant so God says I can trust this man with more so it's not too late to be faithful. Amen? What happens to faithful people? They will abound with blessings. And they are a blessing as long as we are faithful. Amen? It's about being in the right place with the right heart and being faithful. I tell you what, folks, a lot and this is what a lot of people just don't understand and they don't get it because, like I said, we live in a microwave world and everybody wants an instant promotion. But a lot of, being, of God being able to use you in a greater way is just about showing up. I mean, it is really that simple sometimes. It's just about being in the right place at the right time and just volunteering to do something. It has a lot to do with how, with, with how quickly God can move you up the ladder. Amen. So when all this is over with, all this natural temporary world, and we're all standing before the Lord, what's going to be the big question? All these natural things are gone. Is it going to be who had the biggest church or who had the biggest company? and the most members in their church, and who was on the most TV stations, and 
who has the most employees in their business and the biggest bank account, is that going to be what's important? No. What, what do we want to hear? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. That's what we want to hear. And that's, that's all that's really important. Who was faithful with a few things? If we're faithful now in this life with these natural things, God can add to us now in this lifetime. But it also, it also determines what we're going to have added to us in the future. God will be able to add more to us in the future. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. That's what God's looking for faithful people. Amen? So let's say this together. I want to be faithful. I purpose to be faithful. By the grace of God. I will stand before the Master and hear. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen.